This week on Moms Moving On. When I moved back to New York, I still was very unhappy. And I went for dinner with a girlfriend. She was divorced and she knew that I was unhappy. And I said to her, how do you know? Like, when do you know it's time? And I will never forget this line. She said to me, Tanya, when you know, you know. Like you, I was building a business. I was building a brand. I was speaking every weekend about empowering women. And I would come home and just like cry myself to sleep on the phone with my mom. And I would say, mom, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I had a very rough upbringing. And I would say, I went through everything I went through for this. I don't believe that God blessed me with all of these things, like these blue eyes and these teeth to be this unhappy. (laughs) Meaning that I'm so crazy, but I said, I don't believe that God intended me to be this unhappy in life. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Moms Moving On. I am so, so grateful for your feedback about the dating after divorce episode. I know that was a topic everybody was waiting for, and I'm glad you enjoyed and were able to take something from it. I've been really excited for today's episode for a long time. Um, It's like kind of finding your Insta crush and convincing her to come chat with you about her deepest, darkest secrets. That's what we have going on here today. I put on mascara. I'm still in my sweaty gym clothes, but you should know that if I got myself together at all, it's a big deal. Today, we are interviewing somebody who has been amazingly successful, who's built a brand recognizable all over the world, but that's not what I want to talk to her about. My thing is that she did it with all of the odds against her. She did it as a single mom. She did it with three kids in tow. She is Tanya Zuckerbrot from F-Factor. Tanya, thank you so much for being here. Wow, what an introduction. I hope I live up to it. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. You know, I watched you support other women and them doing their thing and helping them grow. And you really live up to that. And I think there's something so special about you way beyond the fact that you've overcome so much and have just amassed this huge lifestyle brand. I think it's incredible. But yeah, I mean, give us a little like brief intro elevator pitch for those of us who may not know you, if that's possible. So hi, everyone. My name is Tanya Zuckerbrot, and I'm a registered dietitian by trade. And I am also the CEO of a lifestyle weight management company called F-Factor. So F-Factor is a disruptive way of eating that allows you to lose weight without hunger while improving your health without having to compromise your lifestyle. On F-Factor, you can dine out, enjoy cocktails, eat carbs, and work out less all from day one while seeing results. And you can have wine. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and F-Factor is based on the combination of fiber and protein at every meal. So you actually get large volumes of food, which means like big portions that are really satisfying. You eat breakfast, lunch, snack, and dinner, and you are able to lose weight without the typical feelings of hunger, deprivation, and denial associated with most weight loss plans, which is why it's so effective, but even more important, why it's sustainable. So you can eat the F-factor weight for the rest of your life, so you can lose weight and finally keep it off. And at the same time, you're getting super healthy. So I always say out of everything I've done with my life, my three kids and F-factor are what I'm most proud of. And as you should be, I think, you know, everything you said is true. I've tried it. Adding fiber to your diet makes 
all of the difference. You're like, oh, that's it? Like that's all that was missing? So yes, congratulations to you on that success. But let's take things back a couple of years. I know you recently got remarried, just like me, Mazel, because yay. Um, (laughs) Your picture, I think it was in Capri. You guys were just so cute. I mean, and I felt it because I was there too. But you went through a divorce and we're talking today about picking up the pieces and moving on. Tell us a little bit about when you separated, how that came to be. What was your aha moment? Sure. So I was married for almost 13 years and that's a long period of time. It's basically, you know, not quite half my life, but a third of my life. And that marriage also produced three children. I am a mom to three kids, to my son, Toby, and my twin daughters, Olivia and Juliet. And I would say from the beginning, the marriage was, it was, it was a good marriage, but I would never say it was like a perfect marriage. But I was around 27, 28 years old when I met him. So by the time we got married, I was 29. And I felt that no one had it all. Like that was sort of how I rationalized this. And I felt so fortunate that I had this career that I was beginning to build. I was really close to my family. I had amazing friends. I had my health. So the fact that I didn't think I had the perfect marriage, I'm like, it's okay because no one has it all. So I sort of rationalized it. But as the years went on, that rationalization started to wane when I realized, why shouldn't you have it all? And we could talk a little bit more about that. But my point being that I was married for 13 years to a great guy, a a really solid, good person. The issue with the marriage was that we actually had very little in common. So when we first met, I was 27. We met through friends. He was fun. He was social. He had a thriving business. He was a really good son. And that really appealed to me because they always say the way a man treats his mother is how he'll treat his wife. So he was a really good son. And I just thought this is a nice person. I was also really ready to get married because my mom is Colombian. And to my mom, a 27-year-old who's working was just like, I don't want to say a tragedy to her, but she's like, Oh, it's a tragedy. She wanted we have the me, same mom. <laughs> she wanted me married. So she was putting pressure on me and I just felt it was time to settle down. And then I was introduced to my ex-husband and he checked many of the boxes and was a good person. So we got married. And I would say though, within the first year or two, even before kids, I sort of realized that we didn't have that much in common. But I rationalized it thinking he's a good person. And I have so many other things in my life that are so exceptional that I can manage this. And what ended up happening was that the differences in our interests over time really started to put a wedge in between us, meaning that I didn't enjoy doing the same things that he did. He didn't enjoy doing the same things I did. We didn't necessarily enjoy the same people. And that's where resentment happens because I felt like I was constantly doing him a favor if I went to his kind of concert or his kind of movie. And when he went to my kind of movie, maybe he was doing me the favor or worse, he'd fall asleep during it. So then I felt even lonelier because I'm sitting next to someone who's sleeping through something that like I'm crying through, you know, like that was such a beautiful movie. I'm like waking him up. What'd you think? And You know, I'll share an interesting story with your listeners um, because it was really telling. Right before we got married, my father called me into his office. And when you when you get the call from your dad, like come to my office, you're like, uh oh. It's like even though I was in my twenties, I I thought I was like twelve again. Like, what did I do? You know, like did I leave the door open? Like, like, exactly. I'm just like, uh oh. Like, 
you know, what mistake did I make? Did I leave like the knife in the peanut butter jar? Like, why is, why, why is he need to talk to me? And when I got to his office, he said to me, I don't think this is the right guy for you. Wow. And all I'm thinking is, dude, could you have like come to this conclusion like a little bit sooner? Like the invitations are out. My dress is done. Like, like the wedding train had left the station. And now he's assigned to tell me this. I mean, I guess it was like better late than never, but at this point it felt too late. And I said, dad, what would make you say that? And he's like, look, I like him very much, but I don't think he's smart enough for you. And I actually got really, I, I, I got very defensive of my husband. I said, how could you say that dad? First of all, there's street smarts and there's book smarts and his street smarts have allowed him to build what he has built. And I don't understand like why you think that's going to be an issue. Like, it's not up to him to be my teacher. It's up to me to continue to educate myself or evolve. Like, why would I put that burden on him? And, and I said, if I want to get smarter on my own, I'll read books or I'll go to museums or I'll go to lectures. Like, that should not be on him. So then my father said, but those things don't interest him. So you're going to go to museums by yourself. You're going to go to lectures by yourself. You're going to read books and have no one to discuss them with. And, and you're going to go to theater with your girlfriends. Like, I thought I could create this life outside of him in order to fulfill my curiosity, because my dad knows, like, I'm a student of life. I love to learn. And then he said, so Tanya, if you're going to do all those things to better yourself with your friends or on your own, you're basically describing a widow in her own marriage. Let that just settle in, guys. Like, listen to that. A widow in your marriage. What you're describing, I'm so happy you're you're sharing this with us because not every woman leaves a marriage that was abusive and he was cheating. There are just many, many widows in their own marriages. And that makes it so much harder to pull the plug because you're like, but he's nice and we have this nice life. And yes, that's exactly, I I know. The problem was my invitations were out. The dress was done. (laughs) Like, I I, I was like, this is coming too late. And also in your late twenties, you have like this very strong sense of autonomy and you have a streak of independence. And I thought I knew better than my dad. And I was like, you're wrong. I'm going to have a very fulfilled life with him. And it's not his responsibility to make sure that I continue to grow intellectually. I will do that on my own. But my father was right that I ended up getting lonelier and lonelier in my marriage because when my father says he wasn't smart enough for me, it was also, he's not curious enough for you, Tanya. Like what I think is ideal. and, And I don't want to lecture anyone, but I'm in a different kind of marriage now. My marriage now, my husband is my best friend in the world. And it's the advice I would give my daughters marry your best friend. Anthony, my husband now is a person I want to be with all the time. We enjoy, I don't want to say all the same things, but even the things that maybe he's good at that I'm not, I'm at least interested in learning so I could be better. The point is that we share the same sense of humor. We enjoy the same TV shows. With my first husband, we didn't enjoy the same experiences. And I also think because we were different in many ways, we actually didn't enjoy the same people socially. If I took him to a Broadway show, he was doing me a favor. If, mm-hmm. if I had to go see some concert with him of like music I didn't care for, I was doing him the favor. And I think we both always felt like in many ways the marriage was work because we didn't really share a lot of similarities that just felt easy and comfortable. I was right. very into health and wellness and he didn't work out or eat healthy. I mean, it was just, and I think people are like, you guys like are so opposite. And sometimes they say opposites attract. In that case, opposites, it it was like two magnets that start to push each other further apart. I hear you. I was there. So you finally wanted frozen yogurt and everything fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Pretty much. I mean, for, for your listeners, there was a story that I had shared that my ex-husband and I, my ex-husband, when we were still married, we lived in New York. And, and, he, and I was in a really good place at the time. I had just had my first child. We had just bought an apartment and I did a gut renovation and designed it. And my career was taking off and I was doing a lot of television appearances. So I was in a really good place. And, you know, I say life is, you know, sometimes you're on top of the world, sometimes you're on the bottom of the world. And there's a beautiful saying in the, in the Torah and the Bible, this too shall pass. I, my husband came home from work one day and said, we have an opportunity to open up an office in Florida. We're moving to Florida. And when I think back to it, I'm like, you know what? If he hit me at a time where my career was in the toilet, we were living in some crappy apartment, maybe I was in a fight with my best friend. I'm like, you know what? Let's pack up and go. But right. he came home at a time where I felt I was on top of the world. Like everything in my life was like where I wanted to be. The marriage was mediocre, but the rest of my life was doing really well. And that's also, remember how I said that for me, it was like sort of the average of my life that allowed me to sort of stay in it. If I took right. all these components, and I have exceptional friendships and exceptional relationships with my family. My career is on fire. My marriage is, that's eh, fine. Good guy, nice guy, but not like the most, not, I would say the most optimal marriage in the world. If I added up and took the average, I was still like hitting an eight, you know? Right. <laughs> so when he said, let's move to Florida, I was just like, I don't want to go. Like my world here is so great, but, and I'm also thinking, and I'm not really in love with you enough to sacrifice all these things that I value that actually allow me to maintain my marriage to you, to just right. follow you blindly. You would have depleted your tank. I sacrificed everything to follow him and his career, but at the time his career did support the family. So it was either like we break up now or you sort of support the family. My son wasn't even a year old. And as a mother, this is where our maternal instincts kick in. And I knew I had to put my child's needs before my own. I was like, I can't give up on this marriage yet. It's not fair to do to my son. He's only one. I need to give this family a shot. So we picked up our stuff. We packed up our bags, sold our apartment in New York. We moved to Florida and I was really unhappy there. It just, Florida was warm and lovely and I had made friends quickly, but I just, it was becoming more and more apparent to me that we just, we're not that compatible. And we just really did not enjoy the same things. We didn't have the same lifestyle goals. At the time, I didn't think we had the same work ethic. I was working really, really hard. And in Florida, you know, everyone's like out by the pool by five. And I just was feeling like loss of connection. And one night we go to the movies. And as the movie ended, I said to him, are you hungry? Because I wanted to get dinner. And he said, no, I'm not hungry. And I'm thinking, well, what kind of date night is this? Like you asked me to go to the movies and dinner and now we're not even having dinner. So he says, but if you want, we can go to a restaurant and I can watch you eat, which is like the least date weird. thing in the world. Like, I don't want you watching me eating. That's weird. So mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Forget it. And I'm already annoyed because I'm disappointed we're not having dinner. So I said, you know what? Let me just go get a frozen yogurt. And the frozen yogurt store was two blocks out of the way from our way home. And he's like all the way down there. And my head spun around like in the exorcist. Like I whipped it around. I was like, what did you just say? All the way down there, you can't walk two blocks out of the way when I moved all the way to Florida from New York for you. It's like, and then- You know what this reminds me of? Yeah. Carrie, when she went to Paris and he couldn't even go to her yeah. dinner party. That's exactly what it is. Oh, okay. So then of course, as I said that, I moved to Florida for you. You can't walk to get me a frozen yogurt. 
And by the way, guys, this guy is the nicest guy. I don't know what he was thinking at the time. You know, maybe just want to get home. But as soon as I said that, he sort of was like, oh, yeah, okay, of course I'll go with you. But, you know, don't mess with the woman scorned. I was like, forget it. I don't want to <laughs> hear me. I, I just want to be alone. So I took off and I was like crying on the streets of Lincoln Road, you know, just like literally just feeling so alone and so confused. And what do I do? Like, I'm so unhappy. And just for your listeners to know, I'm now married probably over 10 years and it's been unhappy for many of them. I don't want you thinking there was like one thing that happened. It builds guys. So at this point, but this was like one of those straws. And I was just like, I just, I don't think I want to be married to this man, you know? And that was an aha moment. Everybody has their aha moment and it doesn't have to be anything big. Sometimes, you know, people will say it's bad. I'm unhappy, but I don't know if I'm ready to leave. And I say, don't leave. You have to get to the point where you're like, that's it. The other shoe drops, the the straw breaks, the camel's back and you're done. Like, and it's different for everyone. And it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. But to go on with that, that was before I had my daughters. So I wasn't ready yet. It was definitely a moment that I was just like, I'm really, really unhappy, but we still stayed married. And it wasn't, you know, then I, I, probably a year later, I got pregnant and I had my daughters and then we ended up moving back to New York and I, w- I remained unhappy. And uh-huh. uh, we talk about that perhaps, but the point is that when I moved back to New York, I still was very unhappy. And I went for dinner with a girlfriend and she was divorced. And I said to her, and she knew that I was unhappy. And I said to her, how do you know? Like, when do you know it's time? And I will never forget this line. She said to me, Tanya, when you know, you know. And at the same time, I was like, but what does that mean? What does that mean? And then one day, you just know. It's either, as you said, it could be something as silly as, you know, not getting a frozen yogurt or... It could just be that you are in such a chronic depression, which is really what happened to me, that I didn't want to live anymore, which to people who know me, they had no idea how dark it was. You know, I was on television. My career was on fire. I had friends. I was social. I would wake up in the morning and cry. I would get into the shower and cry. I'd come out of the shower, put my makeup on to go to work, cry it off, have to put it on again, go to my office, close the door. I remember I, I didn't have the depression. I had almost like an anxiety. I felt throughout my first marriage that there was like always this elephant sitting on my chest. Like I couldn't breathe. And I would call my mom at night and cry. Like you, I was building a business. I was building a brand. I was speaking every weekend about empowering women. And I would come home and just like cry myself to sleep on the phone with my mom. And I would say, mom, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Like it was a tightness in my chest. It was anxiety. Cause I just couldn't believe, like I would say to her, I had a very rough upbringing and I would say, I went through everything I went through for this, like for this. And you know what my line was? My line was, I believe very much in God. And I said, I don't believe that God blessed me with all of these things, like these blue eyes and these teeth to be this unhappy. <laughs> Meaning that I know I'm so crazy, but I said, I don't believe that God intended me to be this unhappy in life. He has blessed me with the personality, with the career, with family, and I didn't want to live. God did not put me on this earth to want to kill myself. So how was I in a marriage that was so unhappy that I did not want to live? And I'm sure people are listening be like, 
So that's your thought is like to kill yourself, but it's not even rational. All you're thinking is like you're married, you have this family. When the position that you're in takes you so far outside of who you know yourself to be, and you're just, you can't make sense of why you feel the way you feel. I think that depression and that anxiety is, it's almost like your body waking you up and being like, is this how you want to feel? Because if you continue, this is going to be it. And sometimes, you know, you listen to your body when you're not feeling well, but you also have to listen to it emotionally. And that I feel for me was an emotional manifestation of like all of the wrong that I I, I wasn't going to fix until I got rid of it. I totally agree. And something else like to know me, first of all, like look at what I do professionally. I go to work every day, you know, I'm in the space of wellness and inspiring people to live their best lives. I also felt like a fraud. And I think that insincerity it was very hard for me to live with because if I'm going to work every day, pushing you to be your personal best, look your best, feel your best. I'm counseling people. They're paying me to inspire them to live their best lives. And I was going home every day to such an unhappy marriage where I was not living my best life. Oh, yeah. So it felt inauthentic. Yeah. And I think that also really bothered me. And one of my favorite sayings in life is don't settle for mediocrity where greatness can exist. God does not bless mediocrity. You can apply that. I'll say it again and definitely write it down. All your listeners, grab a pen. Do not settle for mediocrity where greatness can exist. And I apply this to my friendships. I apply this to my marriage. I apply it to my health and my weight. It's not about comparing yourself to anyone. It's about living the best life that you can. It's being the best that you can be. And when I was unhappily married, I saw many happy marriages. And I was never jealous, but I was so inspired by that. I wanted wanted it so badly. It's the same way if you're overweight and you see someone with a good body. It's not that you're you're jealous of them or you don't want them to have it, but you want it too. Or with wealth. Maybe you're struggling financially and you're inspired by someone with a ton of wealth. I was inspired by people with happy marriages and I wanted it. And my faith in God, that's when I realized, Tanya, your life has merit. It's not that you're entitled to happiness, but if you are willing to work for it, then you'll be one step closer to perhaps God blessing you with it. But you've got to do the work. And finally, having the courage to leave my marriage and I left for no one and I left with nothing is, I believe, how I've landed where I am today. It's how I've manifested the happiness that people see. I can echo all of that. I truly, I, I remember I was like, I'm only in the last year of my marriage, I'm only going to surround myself with my couple friends who are just so insanely in love. And like, I mean, I was 33 when I separated. So people were still newlyweds and still having babies. And, and I, I chose the only time I cried I had a best friend at the time who had just gotten remarried. She was, she got pregnant. It was like this whole beautiful thing. She overcame so much. And I went to her baby shower after a massive fight with my ex-husband. And I just sat there and I cried. And she's like, are these happy tears? And I'm like, Rachel, I just want what you have. And she's like, you know, you're getting it. Like, you know, it's coming. And I believed I was. I believed that I had been through what I had been through in my life. So that one day I would be blessed with all of the love and more. Are you going to cry? Because I'm going to cry. For sure. Uh, um, Okay. So, wow. I'm like, I have chills. But yeah, I mean, there's so much to be said for 
honoring finally what you know to be true, picking up the pieces and saying, even if I leave with nothing, I owe myself this chance. Every girl that's unhappily married and is considering getting divorced. The first bit of advice I always say is work on your marriage first. Mm-hmm. Don't exit a marriage if you don't feel you've exhausted every single opportunity to fix it. Because mm-hmm. marriage is sacred. And especially if you have children, you owe it to them to try and make your marriage work. When you get to the point that you have exhausted every single option and it cannot be fixed, either there's been disloyalty or there's just such differences in your interests or whatever it is that these, that in order to stay, you feel like you're sacrificing so much, whether it's your integrity or it's your, or it's your happiness. Like if you're sacrificing more than what you're getting out of it, then that is a time to explore obviously leaving the marriage. But what I always say is you need to give that marriage everything first. But once you get to the point that you think you that this cannot be fixed, repeat after me, my life has merit. My life has merit. My life has merit. And what that means is that you deserve to be happy. You should not have to suffer for the rest of your life because you married someone. We all, you know, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but they're all chapters of your life. But to stay unhappily married and spend the rest of your life unhappy, that, that to me is not what life is about. You did it. And fast forward, what year did you separate, divorce? It's been seven years. Seven years. And now, I mean, you guys can't see, you're only hearing the audio, but her husband just popped into the picture and what a babe. And you're glowing. I mean, there's no question. It, it, it seeps out of your words, your, your personality, your empathy, your kindness. You are in the place you were meant to be. How did you guys meet? We met at a restaurant. It was brunch. And I was only separated for three weeks, which is crazy. (laughs) No, I know. Two months for me, but yeah. So I was, he was separated for three months. I was separated three weeks and I was out to brunch with my friends, but like not even thinking about dating yet. I'm in jean shorts and a sweater and like a flat sandal and a ponytail, like just there, you know, for breakfast and he was sitting at the table next to us with his friends and he looked over and saw me and thought I was cute and he looked at my hand and so I wasn't wearing a ring and there was another girl at the restaurant a different table who came over to say hi to me so I got up to say hello to her and then I left you know when I was done with my meal and when I left he popped up and went over to her and he said who was that and she said that's Tanya Zuckerbrot and He said, well, I noticed she wasn't wearing a ring. Do you know if she's, you know, available? My friend was like, I think she's married, but I don't think very happily. So let me find out. Let me get back to you. Her sister-in-law was my best friend. She's like, my sister-in-law is her best friend. Let me call her. So my best friend called me and said, I heard you saw my sister-in-law at lunch. She wants to know if you're getting divorced. So I thought, oh, like, what a gossip. Like, did she notice I wasn't wearing my ring? Like, where's this going? And she's like, no, Tanya, she wasn't gossiping. There was a guy at the restaurant who saw you. And she says he's such a nice person. He's smart. And he has two young boys. And he would love to meet you. So can I tell her that you guys are, you know, getting divorced? I said, yes. And that was it. 
That's, that's how we met. And we've been together ever hard. since. It's a crazy story, but I, I, there are no accents in life. I know God sent him to me. There's not even a question. I was not supposed to be at that restaurant that morning. There was a whole circus of events that happened that morning. And I somehow was there. I was not supposed to be there. He was there. And, you know, they say something's to share. We were supposed to meet and um, we've been together ever since. And I love that for you. And I love that for your children, because, you know, while they had to experience the death of a marriage as they knew it, they now get to see their mom totally fulfilled and happy. And especially for Olivia and Juliet, I think there's no greater gift you can give your daughters than the example of how to be treated right and how to live your life with purpose and honor your emotions. And you've done that for them. And I truly feel I'm doing that for mine. But how amazing that you can teach them that you can move on in life. You can honor how you feel and the universe will still reward you. And things could be even better. It's actually one of the lines that I use when talking about my divorce journey. When people say, but you were three young kids, like, weren't you worried about your kids? And my response is, I got divorced for my kids. Me too. And what my children were seeing in the house was not the example I wanted to, you know, lead for them. It's like, you, you, you learn by what you see in your home. That's what I was saying. Like, when I saw how well my first husband treated his mom, that bode well for me. And what my kids were seeing was not going to set them up to have healthy relationships. My son would have been comfortable with a woman that didn't show love. I wasn't expressive, you know, to my husband emotionally because I wasn't that into him at the end of the marriage. So there was not a lot of affection in the house. He actually frustrated me and everything he did, you know, made me like roll my eyes or like, I just became really impatient with him and short with him. And I would hate for a woman to treat my son the way I treated his dad. And for my daughters, I would not want them treating a man the way I was treating my husband. And that's actually one of the reasons I got out of my marriage. It wasn't just that I was sad. I was ugly in my marriage. I consider myself a very kind person and I'm an empathetic person. And I think I go out of my way to make the world a better place. And whether through my philanthropy or through my friendships and to treat people really well. And the person I was married to, I did not treat well. I was disrespectful. I was not kind. And for people who know me, like, I can't imagine that way. I'm like, I know. And that's how I knew the marriage was so wrong for me because it made me ugly. In fact, my husband and I were once having an argument and it wasn't him. It was me because I was always starting with him because he, everything about him frustrated me. And at the end, everything frustrated me. The way he talked, the way he chewed his food, the way it, if he was breathing, I'm like, are you breathing again? Can you just stop breathing? Like <laughs> everything frustrated me. And I was having an argument with him. My sister was around. And when we were done arguing, she pulled me aside and she's like, for such a beautiful girl, you are so ugly with him. Tanya, if people were to hear the way you speak to him, he doesn't look like a loser. You look like you're the biggest biatch. And that comes from my sister who loves me more than anyone in this world. And when you talk about that moment, for me, it wasn't the frozen yogurt story. It was that conversation my sister had with me because I pride myself in being a good person. And that's when I knew my marriage was over. I'm like, you are not the person that you're proud of in this marriage. He doesn't make you the, and I can't blame him. I can't say he doesn't make me a good person. The marriage didn't inspire me to be a good person. And that to me was the nail in the coffin. I was like, Tanya, you are a good person and you're not a good person in this marriage. He doesn't inspire it in you. You have to take accountability for that. But I don't want my kids. I didn't want my son to marry a woman acting the way I was acting. I don't want my daughters to act one day the way I was acting. And by leaving, even if I was going to be alone for the rest of my life, they would see me at peace and they would see me pleasant and kind, which is how I am to most people. And now what they do see, because I did 
luckily meet Anthony, who's like the love of my life, my best friend. They are seeing what a marriage between best friends looks like. And mm-hmm. when they say happy mom, happy kids, there's no doubt. My kids are now growing up in a home that they're seeing two people extremely affectionate to each other. We laugh all the time. We share the same sense of humor. There's so much mutual respect and admiration. And I, I hope that that inspires my children to find similar relationships as they get older. I want to talk about what you were saying, the ugly that it brought out in you. Um, I posted something just a few days ago because I had the same experience. It was, you know, and I, and I posted, there are two types of relationships in life. The ones that trigger our pain and expose all of our ugly unhealed parts and the ones that support our growth and healing. Both are equally important. Like, I feel like I needed to have the ugly brought out in me. Like I look back at how I behaved and I was like, I would never behave that way to my husband now, ever, 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 because I respect him because I've learned to respect myself. But I needed to go through that. And maybe you did too, to to learn your triggers, to learn what was not for you. And so, yes, your kids are better off or everybody's better off. The universe is better off because you can put things out now with so much more happiness. You know, it's just, it comes full circle. For sure, it comes full circle. We are so (laughs) running over but I love talking to you. I just want to ask you to reiterate for our listeners. I said it to you before we started the actual podcast. Something that is so notable about you is, yes, your marriage failed and you hated him in your marriage. Now he's your friend. Keeping it classy about your ex, yes, it's nice on social media and and the brand you're building. It, It makes you look nice, but ultimately for your kids, it is so critical. You know, on the days where I want to run my ex over with my car, I'm like, oh, you get to go see daddy. You're so lucky. He's so handsome and fun. How do you, how do you just like bite your tongue and keep it classy? I just think it comes to putting your children first. It's, I think it's a non-negotiable, you know, it's, as I said, you know, I'm fortunate though, because my, my husband didn't do wrong by me. So I don't have that anger towards him to begin with. I mean, of course there's parts of our divorce that are wildly frustrating or disappointing, but I know he's a good person. So I think right. that's, that's, I sort of start and end there. And my children are a part of him or he's a part of them. And therefore to tear him down and minimize him, it's tearing down my own children. Thank and it for- only ruins their self-worth and their self-esteem. And think about it. It's like, if you're such a, if your dad is such a part of you and right, I mean, our kids are 50% mom, 50% dad. and. I'm sitting here saying what a loser he is or what a jerk he is. It's like I'm You're hurting my own kids. child. It's like that's their identity. The person they come from is not a good person or a low life or not smart. It's like that doesn't serve them well. So I always say to parents, you know, it's not divorce that ruins kids. It's how you divorce. It's mm-hmm. contentious divorce. When, when moms or dads are not thoughtful enough to put their children's needs before their own, meaning like sometimes exes are so angry at the ex that they just want to hurt them and turn the kids against them. I'm like, that's so short-sighted. Like you're hurting your children more than you're hurting your ex. And, and, and at the end, you're going to hurt yourself because one day your kids are going to grow up and look at what you did and they're going to resent you. So always take the high road and your kids will, once they're older, will look back and they'll see that you did. As children, they're not seeing it, but one day when they are adults, they will look back and be like, wow, mom or dad, you were such a class act. Because mm-hmm. I know as an ex, he wasn't easy or she wasn't easy, but you really protected me from that. And I think that's what being a good parent is all about. And you also have more peace in your life. You know, I, I also think getting along with him gives me more peace than always being frustrated with him. It's, it's, it's toxic when you, when you hold on to that anger. It, it's Absolutely. a toxic environment for your children. 
I mean, if, if I have one mission in life, it's to co-parent peacefully. Everything I post, everything I write about, it's trying to find the silver lining, the, you know, letting go of the anger, realizing that you're in this place that you're in because of two people, not because of one. And ultimately, your kids are the most important. And so I'm so glad you said that. I think that is a really, really, really great place to end things. I know I asked you to save us a quote, but I really love what you shared already. To inspire our listeners, what advice or quote would you give them if they are in the process of moving on? The quote is, don't settle for mediocrity where greatness can exist. And just keep in mind, your life has merit and you should never settle. Life is too short to settle. And, you know, define what excellence means to you. Everyone has different needs, different ambitions. You know, what what you define as a happy marriage may be very different, but you deserve to have what you want if you're willing to work for, for it. And look, sometimes it comes with tremendous sacrifice. Leaving a marriage, it might be financially draining. You might feel lonely. I mean, there's a lot of fear and trepidation and unknowns. But if you believe in yourself enough and you need to believe in yourself, then it's a risk worth taking. Amen, Tanya. I knew this was going to be I, like, your story is so similar to mine. I respect all of what you've been through and how you've been through it. And of course, what you've grown as a result of your, honestly, I believe happiness. You started out, you started building a business, but as you became happier and as you became more fulfilled internally, you were able to give that much more to the world. And we're grateful for that. Where can everybody find you? Where can everybody learn about the magical benefits of fiber? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram, which is at Tanya Zuckerbrot. And the website is ffactor.com. So F like fiber, then the word factor.com. And her magical color is green, which is also, how did green become your color? I just, you know, it's a gender neutral color because the program is for everyone. It's for men and women. And, you know, red is sort of very masculine and pink is too girly. So green, I think just, it, it appeals to both men and women. And I just think we think about green as a color that speaks to wellness and regeneration and rebirth. It's like things grow. So I don't know. We just landed with green. And it's all of it is just beautiful. It's all come together beautifully for you. And that makes me happy. Check Tanya out if you haven't already. I'm sure you have. I know that most of my listeners are probably geeking out right now as I am. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Go enjoy your beautiful life. Thank you for being here with us and, and inspiring us and giving us your story. Thank you for having me. And thank you for allowing me to share your platform to hopefully inspire other women going through challenging times or going through divorce that, you know, to believe in themselves and to know that they deserve to have what their heart desires. Perfect place to go. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.